For everything you want to know about real estate, it's time to take action. Schedule today. Ron and Don sit down.com is the way. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode number 157 of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live from the Les Schwab Studios on the shores. What are we on the shores of? You can't uh, even see the lake. I can't. I, I, you can't I, see across the lake. It's great. The Les Schwab Studios have been overrun by smoke. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, the, the Les Schwab Studios get a little clammy, and so I like to get some fresh air in here. Yeah. You open the door, and I'm blowing smoke inside the house. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. What's kind of interesting about this, I just told my son, I said, you know what? With everything that's going on with COVID, with everything that's going on with the election, with everything that's going on with riots, with everything that's going on with social justice, and now with everything that's going on with the forest fires, and some of this smoke is blown all the way east, I said, it's like waking up every day in an Avengers movie. It's like being on a movie set. And that's the way that we look at it. That's our mindset. Which... which what, what's your mindset? And then I want to get into uh, today's show. What is your mindset to handle this right now? Because this, as you say, and you're really you're really good when we talk to our clients. A lot of times you'll just we'll be having a conversation, a Ron and Don sit down, and you'll stop and say, "Hey, you know what? You're going through a lot right now, and it could be someone going through a divorce. Could be somebody just got married, just had a baby, about to lose a home, about to buy a bigger home, downsizing, upsizing, right sizing. We talk about all that stuff. But what 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 is your mindset? I think what you just said, giving yourself permission for something to feel the way it feels. I think a lot of times, especially as men, we're gauged, and you and I in particular with this, you're sort of gauged and raised to think you can always add one more thing. I got it. And then someone's like, hey, can you mow the lawn? I got it. Can you can you pick up the thing at the deal? I got it. Yeah. And so you keep adding one more thing, one more thing, one more thing until you and there's a limit mm. to how many things you can add. And so sometimes you got to just stop down and go, this is a lot. This is a lot. And so even though all of like the privilege that we feel and the gratitude that we feel and our station in life has been very blessed, all of those things still exist. Mm. At the same time, you can also just say this is a lot. Uh, and sometimes you don't know how to handle it. Sometimes you need to stop. Other times, if you're me and you, you keep going until your body tells you you're stopping now for a couple days. Uh, and I had that happen to me in the last couple of weeks where it's just like, okay, I guess I'm, I guess I'm just going to stop here for a couple of days because my body's literally and figuratively telling me to stop. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. I looked under my son's bed today. He has a sleep plan. And I have not worked on a sleep plan with him. And so I took a picture of it. And his sleep plan is, A, he's going to listen to music Mm -hmm. for about 10 minutes. And then I asked him today what the music is once I discovered the sleep plan. Because I know a couple of years from now, it's going to be condoms and pot and and probably a naked girl. So, So the fact that he's 10 now and he has a sleep plan, I mean... 
He asked me a couple months ago what my philosophy was on life. So he has philosophy and has a sleep plan. Your, your son's a deep thinker. I don't know where he got that because it's <laughs> yeah. definitely not in your DNA. I know. So number one, he's going to listen to music and then 30 minutes of reading Spider-Man. Okay. And then he's going to go to sleep. I watched him do this last night and it worked beautifully. Awesome. So anybody that's listening, if you're having a hard time sleeping during this time, what I want you to do is listen to, and we listen to 10 minutes of the Avengers soundtrack. All right. And then 30 minutes of spider-man i'm gonna give it a try there you Why go. wouldn't you all right hey this is what we're gonna do on today's show is a little different today but I, I i think we're gonna enjoy this and ron doesn't know what i'm gonna read to him i've taken some of your emails some of the notes some of the things that that you have uh placed on facebook or you placed on social media channels or maybe just reached out and you send us an email and i'm just gonna read these to him so you ready for this it's story time yeah that's uh, I, well i what i try to do is pick stories that reflect the way that a lot of people are feeling when they... When yeah, they, I'm looking forward to it. That'll they, be fun. When they reach out to us, okay? So this first one is really fascinating to me. It's from a female. She is a police officer. She's a young police officer. She works on the east side, and she ha- we've, been, we've been writing, I think, for the last year or so. We've gone back and forth. Uh, and... And she talks a little bit about what it's like to be a cop on the east side versus being an officer here in Seattle. This is what she says. Uh, She says, Dear Ron and Don, I want to learn about how you two manage vulnerability and openness to learning. She said, you two are so open to learning. I'm impressed that as men that you have used your position to advocate for equality and justice. Your reasonableness gives me hope that our community can can keep having these conversations. And this is key is what she says right here, that we can keep having these conversations in the middle and not hide in our extremes. Hmm, That's good. What do you you say to that? And do you you, you even agree with that? I do agree with that. I'm going to give you the, it's the, it's the easiest piece of wisdom I ever learned, but it's been reaped the most dividends in my life. Probably top three things that I ever learned. And that was not knowing something as a strength and admitting that. And so again, you know, I was sort of, a lot of times people perceive it as weak if you don't know. Saying you don't know is perceived as weakness. And so what that causes when you go down that line is acting like you know something when you don't, and then defending something that is wrong when you know that it's wrong. And so those two things set you up uh, to the shorthand of that is you're being an a-hole. And so you come across as arrogant, as condescending, as an a-hole, as a know-it-all. And so all those things, and I've done all those things in my life. And so this years ago, and I've tried to get better at it, the more mature I become over life is just saying, I don't know about this. Whatever, whatever the topic is, it can be something that you're supposed to know. Come on, give me an example. Um, I'm going to bear down on you, and I'm I'm going to I'm going to ask for an example, and I'm going to ask for a vulnerable example, not not something easy, something where you're like, hey, I didn't know, I had to lean into it, I had to learn. Well, in in real estate in these past two years, it's almost an every week occurrence. I don't know how this form works. I don't know how you order that thing I need to order. I did this 
like this this week um i thought something we have a new listing going on in auburn i thought they was ada accessible because what i what i thought that meant was that the door had to be a certain width the hallways are a certain width there's no stairs it's accessible but what i found out is that i was wrong so i put it on the listing um i was notified that that's not what it meant and so i have to say i didn't Teach me what that really means. Mm -hmm. I assumed thing A, I was wrong. And so now show me what it really means. And so that's the only thing I'm going to learn. And so that instead of going and feeling stupid or beating myself up about that or digging my heels and go, but it is, it is ADA compliant. <laughs> you get like, a wheelchair in there. You're gonna, you're gonna go, you can go right get, in that thing. You get in there with a, cr a, cr a crutch. Right. Yeah. So instead of like bowing up and being arrogant or thinking that I know something that I don't know, just going, okay, I guess I, I got that one wrong. So teach me how to do that. And then the other thing is then when you're around someone, and even if you know it, letting someone else shine and be the expert, all it costs you is a little bit of time. So if you can go to someone, a subordinate, hey, you're really good at X, Y, Z. How, how do you do that? So I'll give you another example with a person. We have someone uh, that works with us named Kiana. And she does some video things for us. Now, I know how to edit video. I've edited video for 20 years. I've, I've worked at television stations to edit video. I can edit video. But you know what? She does a really good job at it. So let her be the expert. If she wants to choose a song that I wouldn't have chose, great. If she wants to use a graphic that I wouldn't have used, Awesome. That's why I quiet riot going on the list. <laughs> exactly. Listing, which I actually really enjoy. So. And, and nice so job, let her be an expert because she is and it, it's not exactly the same way that i would do it but that's the beauty of it it looks great it is great and and so i don't have to be the one to tell her well you know if i was editing i would have put a uh, a cross dissolve in there just like let her be the expert mm. like she she went to college she knows how to do it uh and so instead of mansplaining it to her say here's the thing make the video and just in sometimes when we first started, she would say, well, what do you think of this way? It's like, you know what? You're the expert. Express yourself. Hmm. Just have fun with it. Do, do what you want to do. Like, I'd rather have you go too far and me have to pull you back. Than, like, you don't need permission from me to just make the video you want to make. And so, uh, and that's hard. Like, uh, 20, you're a control freak, so 25 year old version of me wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah. Uh, and so now being able to do that, is let other people shine, let them be experts, and then admit when you're not, when you don't know something. So that, that to the, to the person that wrote you, that's been the biggest key for me, at least is going, I don't know everything. Like there's no way I could possibly know everything. So like learn from other people. Yeah. I, I, I would say a, a couple things and, and I'll be vulnerable in sharing this when, when I had my son. You, you and, and I think parents out there will relate to this. When you have a child or you even have a grandchild, you're an aunt, an uncle, and godparent, whatever it is, you do start thinking about not the world that you're growing up in, but you start thinking about the world that they're growing up in and the world that you want to leave for them. And as I look out the window right now and I see the smoke over South Lake Union, that's heartbreaking. 
That is heartbreaking to me because this doesn't have to happen. And ra this isn't about raking forests and exploding trees. Is this about forest management? Sure, forest management is certainly an issue here. And there's a lot of states that stopped doing backburning, including the state of Washington and California and Oregon, because it costs money to do it. And so they stopped spending that money. So that's an issue. But we also know that climate change is an issue. And somehow science became a political football. I don't want science to be a political football for him. And we came over here today and he has to have on an N95 mask. For the last week, he hasn't been out of the house. Yesterday, he rode his bike for the first time. We went to the park. There were no children there. It's a park, Ella Bailey Park, where usually you could see the city of Seattle. You can see nothing. We could barely see each other. We could barely see our dog. I would have put on an N95 mask and Charlie if it would have fit. So, so that, to me, I joke about this being an Avengers movie. Uh, but what's happening right now across the country, this is not a joke. And the fact that now uh, some politicians aren't buying into the fact uh, that this is science, that this was predicted. And the only difference is this has happened and accelerated a lot quicker uh, than we thought it would. So for me, if I didn't have my little son, I'd probably still be drinking. Uh, I would probably still have very severe extreme opinions on a lot of things because that's how I made money on the radio is by having extreme opinions. And that's what we were encouraged to do. And even if people hated you, we always saw that as a good thing because at least they knew us and they had an opinion about us. And so when I stopped drinking, and the sole reason I stopped doing that is because my little boy that's in the other room right now, I didn't want him to grow up with somebody, as you said so beautifully in your, in your note to us, that couldn't live in the middle, that lived in the extremes, that had these extreme views. Because most of us live in the middle, right? Most of us do. And for men especially, it's really hard for us, as Ron said, and I think he made some really great points. It's hard for us to be vulnerable. It's hard for us to say we don't know. And it's hard for us to continue to be learners. That's why, to me, I champion women all the time. I do. I champion women to be president. I champion women to be in the boardroom. I don't think because you went out and you had a baby and you took an exit for a couple of years to have a child that you shouldn't be able to hit that on or off ramp anytime you want to and get back in the boardroom if that's what you desire to do. But still in our society, you look at the Senate right now. It's almost all men. It's almost all white men. It's almost all white men my age and older. It doesn't reflect the America that I want my son to grow up in where we all can stand in the middle. And I think that's why we see, uh, when we look at some of the social justice issues and some of the equality, we have to stop and say, you know what? I'm going to listen and I'm going to learn. Uh, coming up, a few more letters I'm going to share, including one from my cousin Jimmy. Uh, he came after me pretty hard uh, concerning something that I had written on Facebook. I'm going to share that with you, share his thoughts, and who knows? Maybe they're your thoughts too. Uh, we'll get Ron's thoughts on it on the other side of this. Hey guys, it's uh, Ron and Don here for our friends at uh, Les Schwab. Have you ever heard about the Les Schwab Circle of Safety? It's really cool. If you go by there, they'll do a free pre-trip safety check, and they'll look at your shocks, your alignment, your battery, your brakes, and then they'll look at your tires, your tire pressure, and all that. And then they'll show you how all these things should work together. And then they'll explain to you what happens when they don't work together. Number one, it's pretty darn unsafe. And number two, 
you can lose a lot of gas mileage. And let's face it, a lot more of us are driving a lot farther right now because, well, we're not on planes, we're in cars, right? Yeah, you're taking a lot of road trips. When everything's working together, it, like you said, it is safer. You get better gas mileage, which means you're saving money. That's why I trust Les Schwab. Now, all you got to do is ask them to visually inspect everything for free. If anything needs a quick fix, they will make some recommendations for you. So schedule a free pre-trip safety check right now at leschwab.com slash Ron and Don, or stop by your local Les Schwab Tire Center. That's Les Schwab. Doing the right thing matters. When it comes to your real estate journey, it truly is one of life's biggest transactions. Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. Hi, I'm Catherine Walker. I'm a native Seattleite, kind of community volunteer, and I was on the board at the time of Plymouth Healing Communities, which is this small nonprofit here in Seattle that provides permanent supportive housing for adults with chronic mental illness who've experienced homelessness. Um, We were deciding to sell Agape House. I have a lot of confidence in Don, so I contacted him to ask him if he would be willing to help us. We have residents living there and we work with another nonprofit agency that manages the house. So we wanted to be extremely conscientious about that process and and taking care of the relocation of the residents. And what's one of the things that Don and Ron just did superbly is their sensitivity about the situation and their care and respect for the non, both nonprofits and the process. I was so impressed with the responsiveness that they brought to it, the quality of their written communication and oral communication. They were precise and clear. They just did a superb job. It very quickly got to terms and we signed and that was that. I think that they definitely brought their heart and soul to our deal. I can't speak for another deal, but for us, they did a great job and genuinely interested in helping us achieve our goals. And I would highly recommend them for any kind of you know, real estate transaction. When you're ready to sit down with Ron and Don and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Guys, are you ready for the best show in the Pacific Northwest? Here's my dad to his boyfriend and friend. All right, you guys, welcome back. Episode 157, The Ron and Don Show. We are live from the Les Schwab Studios. And don't forget, a lot of you are going to be driving as uh, we head into the fall. In fact, we're in the fall. Make sure you stop by Les Schwab Tire Center, and they're going to take good care of you. In fact, they'll do a free free pre-trip safety check. All right, tell them Ron and Don sent you. Uh, Here's a second letter. Uh, This is from my friend Angela, who had just left Seattle uh, because of the wildfires and also because of the riots. She lives right downtown uh, where all the riots were happening. And she also lives downtown where some of the pepper spray was actually moving through uh, her building and coming through the windows. And she's like, I got to get out of here. So she escaped uh, to Eastern Washington. And now with the fire, she has come back West. All right. Uh, And this is what she said. Dear guys, uh, I'm back. I want you to know, I live in Seattle in downtown Seattle. I just walked around the corner outside of my building. I just walked one block and there's a half naked guy bent over taking a... I've seen that as well. On the sidewalk. 
this is the last straw for me. The city council, the mayor, they need to be fired. I am so sad. I am so, so sad. I am so angry. And if anyone dares to call me uh, unempathetic, uh, then we are no longer friends. What do you guys think about what's happening in Seattle right now and what's happening in the great state of Washington that is no longer so great? Yeah, I mean, this is a a never-ending topic around here, and and I I feel for her frustration because I I even called you today. I was driving uh, to an appointment, and I saw a homeless tent, someone in a tent that's on the road. They'd ran an extension cord across 6th Avenue and plugged into the police station. (laughs) Across the street, like Sixth and Cherry or You're whatever it is. Joking! It's a yellow extension cord, and it's I didn't going believe, into a tent. I didn't believe you. I said you got to go back and get a picture of that. So. It is. It's it's so, from the from the tent to the police station. From the tent across the, like four lanes into the police station. Incredible. So so I get that. Here's the thing that is it's it's is it, it, is it let me ask you because you've lived in Seattle a long time. Is it worse or has this always just been kind of going just, on? I think it's it the moves problem, around. And it's the problem of living in a big city and nobody's talking about the opioid crisis, which right now they say it is worse than it's ever been. Go ahead. Well, it, it, I think it moves around a lot. And there's the famous picture of the Hooverville uh, down by where the stadium sits now yeah. in the 1930s. Yeah, is that right. where there it was a bunch of houses? So, I mean, this is not a new situation. There are new elements to it, uh, but it is not a new phenomenon. So I, the way I like to look at this is um, where do we go from here? Like, it, it, it's not difficult to, to point out the problems. Uh, and I, I'm not coming down on, on the person that, that wrote in, but like, yeah, we all see it. it, it we all get it. Um, it's not hard to say, look at that guy, look at that tent, look at that needle, look at this problem. Like we, we all see it. Nobody's, nobody's saying we don't understand that there's an issue. It's how do we get from here to there? And so the, the first part is how do we answer the question about people's rights? Um, do and that's not an easy answer because if 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 we're just going to say that if you you there's a some threshold that you reach where you no longer have rights as a United States citizen, that's a hard question to answer. Clearly, you know you can say, well, if you've committed a felony, we can arrest you and then put you in jail. We all get that. But what about a misdemeanor? Do we do we remove your rights? and force you to do something um, that you don't want to do because you committed a misdemeanor? Uh, What if you haven't committed any crime and yet you're just living outside? Uh, Do we want to take away that person's rights? So answering that question is not an easy one, and I think it shouldn't be an easy one. Uh, and, And there are certain points, I believe, that if you are a chronic drug user where you're incapacitated, where you cannot function and hold down a job, uh, you are going in and out of the emergency room, I think there should be a scorecard in a sense that says this person is no longer has the rights to make decisions for themselves. Until they become, you know, until they can pass this battery of, 
of standards that I do think you should take away uh, that person's rights to make decisions. There's going to be a thousand people that disagree with me on that. Uh, I think that, that, that we need to have that discussion. So if we're not willing to have that discussion, then this is just going to continue to swirl. Because now you're going to have a person on, on one side that says, not in my backyard, do something to that person. And then law enforcement or city council person shows up and says, what do you want me to do? City council's not showing up. Well, you know. And it, you know what? Metaphorically. Uh, very soon, law enforcement's not going to be showing up either. And a lot of times, law enforcement doesn't show up. This, 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 this is a perfect example of people saying... That's not a cop's job. And I think a cop would agree with you. Someone taking a dump in the street? Right. That's not a cop's job. Until, well, there, there it, until, until it becomes a cop's job. The public your public defecation is is technically a law, uh, against the law. Until it becomes a cop's job. And when it becomes a cop's job is when the person that is doing that and you tell them to stop becomes unglued and they grab a pipe and they try to split your head open. And that's the problem with people that are on the streets that are fueled by fentanyl, that are fueled, uh, in fact, I saw a gentleman yesterday. Uh, he was doubled over in a bus barn. The bus came and went. People were just walking by. I drove by. And I said, you know what? There was something just saying, you got to go back around and see if that guy's dead. I have my son in the car. My son scoots down, right? Because I don't want to see this. And I open the window and I ask him if he if he's okay. And he wasn't okay. Uh, so we had to work on getting him some help yesterday. But what if that guy then wakes up and has a pipe in his hand and I can name cop after cop after cop that will tell you when they come in contact with someone like that, you got to be careful. For me, I'm in my car, I'm in my truck, I got the doors locked, I bring the window down. If, if, if the guy started coming at the car, I could take off, but I could see why nobody wanted to walk along and stop in that bus barn because a lot of times things like this, they don't turn out well. So for everyone that wants to defund the police or they don't think that's a cop's job, that becomes a cop's job when that guy goes sideways. And a lot of times, if you were to send out another worker out there, who are they going to call if that gentleman goes sideways See, they're 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 gonna call a cop I, so so to your point it's you're right it's very complex i want to do a social experiment with a thing and nobody's gonna ever do this but this would be where i would start uh the baseball analyst uh, bill james i think is his name who came up with sabermetrics and this is track with me here for a minute he's also his other hobby is true crime so he created a system that's similar to like billy ball that you see in baseball, but for criminality. And it, it's pretty simple, but it's ingenious. You, you create a comprehensive record for someone and you determine what a threshold is going to be on something like guilt or innocence. I think you do the same thing for a person, a functioning person of society. And so you have not just, it's not one event. You take a person's life how many jobs have you had in the last year? Are you currently employed? How long have you been unemployed? Those all get a score. How many times have you been arrested uh, in the past year? How many times have you overdosed? How many times have you made an emergency room visit? Addiction, mental illness. How many times? Stuff, yeah. Like, so you go through and Family, create a profile. Prison. That's, yeah. That you tease out. You try to remove racial bias. You try to remove stereotypical bias uh, or socioeconomic bias. But you just have a raw score. And if you don't meet that score, you are not a functioning member of society. 
So therefore, we, <laughs> right? If you can't meet the basic these this basic floor, well, then because here's the thing that we learned over the years of doing this and 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 getting involved. Were we doing sabermetrics? No, is that someone that is living on the street, the tasks that we take for granted are insurmountable to them. Well, go you know get an address. How to do that? Go get a job. Yeah. Right. Uh, Why don't get, you get a job? Get, you can't get a job without an address. Get your ID. How do I get the ID? Well, you got to get yourself in the car or a bus. You got to go fill out this form. Like the the process that we take for granted is insurmountable to a person in this state of mind. You're right. Yeah. File for benefits. How do I do that? Um, where do I find a computer? How do I log on? How do I get a password? How can I fill it? Like they just, they don't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And so that's my starting point is I would say if a guy like that, if that act defecating on the street, he gets picked up by law enforcement, they put it into this matrix. It's like, okay, that's it. You're no longer suitable member of society. You're going into a program that we are funding uh, because in the long run, it will cost us less, and we're going to rehabilitate you uh, into into a functioning member of society. And so then you're addressing their mental health, you're addressing their addiction health, you're addressing their skill set. And yes, we're going to have to pay for all that, because it's cheaper in the long run to do that than to keep having him being arrested, keep having him show up in the emergency room, keep having him uh, just take from society and not give anything back. Yeah. I, I tell you where Seattle really screwed up. Number one, they should have hung on to Carmen Best because uh, Carmen Best had the answer. And, and the answers, number two, were navigation teams. I at first didn't support navigation teams. And then what I did is I went out with navigation teams. I'm like, I, I don't support us just throwing money and making cops social workers. Then I went out with these cops. And if you don't know what they were doing in Seattle... They have a badge, they have a gun, but they have hearts of gold. They know everybody that lives everywhere, the cracks, the crevices of Seattle. They would know who the person is that Angela was talking about that's taking a dump in the street. They would know that, the navigation team. There were only 30 officers. They, just, they, they killed that. They just killed that. So when you want to defund the police, you defunded the navigation team. So there's no one to send uh, to that person that's defecating in the street. And if something accelerates, you have a group of officers that are officers and they know what to do. What they should have done is they should have gone out and, and hired 100 more navigation team. That's what they should have done. There's embedded social workers and all that. Police departments all around here. Nobody talks about it. And chiefs should do a better job instead of kowtowing, explaining what their, apartment, their departments are doing when it comes to social justice, when it comes to equality, when it comes to somebody defecating in the street, when it comes to social work and the types of things that they are doing and build upon that. And instead, what we're doing is we're taking a police department like the city of Seattle. You had uh, police departments that were coming from all over the country and sometimes all over the world, because it was it hit in the last ten years, it's become a model department. And now we basically ran the chief out. We're running officers out, especially the new young ones that have been hired. And we're saying to ourselves, uh, the problem is the police. The problem is not the police. The problem is us, right? The problem is us. And what we've done is we've blamed it on the police because it's an easy blame game. And as that officer said in the first letter. That's where we, you start living in the extremes, not in the middle. The navigation teams know how to live in the middle. I wish we had a mayor and a city council that understood that, and we don't. It's the Ron and Don Show, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, you guys, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, our whole economy 
is directly affected by technology, right? One of the big technology hubs now, along with San Francisco and places up in Canada. Here's the thing. There's a great, great podcast you should check out. It's called Geek Wire, right? What is Geek Wire? Yeah, Geek Wire is right here in, in Seattle. It covers everything you need to know about tech, and it interprets it for you because a lot of times you're like, I have no idea what that means. So if you like our, our podcast, we invite you to check out Geek Wire. You can subscribe to Geek Wire for free on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Check out Geek Wire. friend that is ready to start their real estate journey, send them to ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, thanks for listening to episode 157 of the Ron and Don Show. And don't forget, we're licensed brokers with Windermere. When you're ready to sit down with us, we're ready to sit down with you. Uh, just go to ronanddonsitdown.com. I posted this on my Facebook page the other day. My cousin responded to me in a public, with a public message in a private one. I responded to him with a public message and a private one, and I'll keep the one private between he and I, uh, but the one public is fair game. Uh, plus, he's my co- cousin Jimmy. We grew up calling him Lugger, uh, and we love each other dearly, but we also have great, great, great disagreements. Uh, is this when, the cousin I went snowmobiling with? Yeah. Cousin, All right. Yeah. He's awesome. Jimmy. He's, he's, yeah, cousin, great, he's great. Awesome. Great cabin. I love this. Yeah. Love this Any, anyway, this is something I wrote on my Facebook page and he responded to. So I said this. I said, I just watched another person on my Facebook feed tell someone, if you don't like it here, then get out of my country. This is a white person talking to a white person about mostly black athletes being forced by their white owners to be patriotic at sporting events. And then I say, please research why all the patriotic stuff was introduced at these events in the first place. Then it will make dollars and cents to you. And I put it in big capital letters and I said, yes, I'm shouting. (laughs) I grew up in New Mexico on the footsteps of the Navajo and the Zuni Nation. I went to school with many Native Americans. I want to thank them for never asking me to leave their country when I disagreed with them. It never came up, you guys. I find it interesting that they honored the land. And then white guys like me, we took it. And we called ourselves the owners of the land. And Native Americans, they never did that. They just honored and they shared the land. Then we forced blacks, four million of them, to work on our land that we own for free for our benefit. We own them too. Now we own the land and we own the men and women and the kids that work the land. Now it's our country, it's our land, and if you don't like it, get out! Anything missing from my history? Let's have these tough conversations, and then I sign that, uh, love and respect, uh, Don. You want to react to that real quick, and then uh, I'll share with you. Well, let me share what, what Cousin Jimmy wrote. He said, Don, he said, wow, white privilege is such a crock of crap. Don, I know what you've been through to get where you're at in your life. And I know I've been through where I've been at to get where I am in life. And this white privilege stuff, it's not white privilege, it's work privilege. The problem is we look at history and then people think that we owe them. The only thing that we owe them is the right to work for whatever you want to achieve your goals. When you keep talking about white privilege and race and all this other BS, yeah, you're magnifying it. You're making people racist. 
So quit doing that. And people are lined up for free crap. You know what, guys? Put on your big boy pants. Take care of your business. Racism is minimal in this country. And then you keep throwing it in people's faces, Don, which creates racism. And then what about the politicians? They know if they can keep throwing racism in people's faces that you'll create anarchy, which will then give them the power to take over the country and take away all the rights. Just read about Venezuela. Don't listen to dumb her her. Another word for but. They don't know what they're talking about. It's actual history here. Let's talk about income inequality. Once you create income inequality and separate the people, then you can take control of those people. That's what happened in Germany. Wake up, all you people. I wrote back, Cousin Jim, a crock of crap. That sounds great. What kind of crackers go with that? I'll try it out at the next Seahawk game. I also sense a lot of fear on your part. Who's asking for free crap? Please explain Venezuela and Germany. Who are the Nazis in your illustration? I'm listening. Are you? Love and respect, Cousin Don. Yeah, uh, wow. I don't know if I can unpack all of that. In I'm not one asking you to unpack, radio. but the way that Cousin Jimmy feels is yeah. the way that a lot of people feel. It's what a lot of people feel. It's, it's called the bootstrap myth. Uh, and I used to believe in a lot of the bootstrapping myth. And both of those things are true. You can be in a racist society and also work hard. They're not mutually exclusive. Uh, and so uh, what people feel like is if if I admit that I have a white privilege, then therefore it means I don't work hard. That's not what it's saying. It's saying racism is not an event. Racism is a system. Uh, there's a book I'm reading right now, and I would maybe we should buy it and send it to Cousin Jimmy. It's called White Fragility, and it's written by a white person, and it, it explains a lot of these cultural dynamics that we're going through, and it, it's way too long uh, to explain right now. But just one, one thought experiment. Uh, for Cousin Jimmy and for people to think like him. Race, the, the white ethnicity is deemed superior in the United States from the instant you are born. So in the examples that she gives in the book, I think it's a she, the author, I'll have to double check, is like, think about what your parents went to. You go to a hospital and you are uh, probably going to visit the hospital and visit a doctor, most of whom are white. The doctors are white. The people in the hospital are working white. People taking care of the hospital are people of color. The maids, the cafeteria workers, the janitorial staff, uh, the people that are doing the menial labor. Most of them are people of color. It's true. My God, Most my, of the doctors are white. Yeah. I, I, my, a friend of mine just had a hip replacement, or a friend, 55, and I was there late night. It's exactly what happened. The doctor walked in. He was white. Everybody there that was taking care of the patients late night on this cancer ward uh, they, for a lot of them, English was their second language and they were from other parts of the and world. So now think about this, the manual and the examples, the Lamaze class, all those things. When you open up the book, what color are the people and what color are the babies? They're white. Then you get, uh, born and you start to watch, uh, cartoons. You're watching television. What's every commercial for the most part is a white person. Uh, anything that's prestigious is run by a white guy. You start saving for that kid's college to go where? To a university that is predominantly white. The whiter, the more prestigious. So you want Harvard, white. Yale, white. University of Washington, white. Stanford, white, mostly. They've worked hard to try to diversify, but most of the, the faculty is white. Most of the sought-after people are white. Now you're, you're taking your family. You've expanded. You want to move to a 
better neighborhood, quote unquote. What does that mean? Whiter. Go through property values. The whiter the neighborhood, the more exclusive the neighborhood, the nicer the houses are, the nicer the amenities are, it gets progressively more white. You go to the the, the highest, the, the ritziest neighborhoods, the quote-unquote best neighborhoods with the best public school system and the best uh, grocery stores where you got a PCC and a Whole Foods and a Trader Joe's right across the street from each other and a Nordstrom Rack. Those are the white neighborhoods. And so that's all embedded in society. So from the instant you were before you're born all the way through that you're born, everything is telling that kid and a guy like Jimmy and a guy like me and you, white is better, white is more affluent, white is more powerful. Uh, of the 50 richest people on the planet, uh, I think 29 are American, and all of them but two, I believe, are, are white men. The other two are Steve Jobs' widow and the daughter of Sam Walton that are white women that inherited their money from white men. No, and I got I got and and also... One of the, I think she's the eighth richest woman in the world, uh, and I forget her name, and I apologize. And she just gave a bunch of her money away. Uh, she was married to Miss, Mr. Amazon, so right, Jeff Bezos, but Mackenzie Bezos, yeah. it, also a, a, a white woman. A woman. Yeah. So my my point here, if you're if you if you and if you're interested, read the book White Fragility, is saying that that's just embedded, that's baked in, that is baked into our society. Wow, white is better than brown thought about it brown is better than black Mm. it's just baked in and you you see it everywhere and so when you're navigating through that to say well just work hard well i can't work hard if you're a black woman in america uh it doesn't really and let's say uh, unfortunately for you and talking statistically here your parents put a q or a z in your name or a laquanda or something like that yeah Put that on your resume with your degree from Stanford. You're not getting hired. You're not getting hired at the same rate. You're going to have a hard time getting health care, too. You're going to have a hard time getting health care. You're going to have a hard time getting housing. So, like, it is stacked against you. You're not going to be heard. You're not going to be listened to. You're not going to be listened to. And so, while Jimmy works hard, because I know him. He's a hard worker. Dude, you work hard. There's no doubt about it. No doubt. Uh, And you're a good guy. And you're Thank a God. way better snowmobiler than Don. Yeah. Uh, and so all of those things are true. At the same time, the very system that we know is what Don's talking about. We, uh, it is whiter is better, whiter is richer, whiter is more prominent, whiter is more sought after. Just look at advertising. Look at the 50 most beautiful list up until maybe two years ago. It was all white people. Most beautiful man alive. Sexiest girl alive. It's always white people. Victoria's Secrets. It was all white. And then like, well, I maybe mean, we'll throw a Latina yeah, in great there. Great point. Even all the award shows, Emmys and all that, they couldn't, they, they did not include, they did not include a lot of women, a lot of people of color sometimes. So. And so that's the system. Yeah. And if it's you great. just look at the system, and so maybe white privilege is not the, you have a toxic relationship with that phrase, white advantage racial advantage white people never have to think about their race when they navigate through the world because the default setting is it's great to be white Mm. if you are black and you're just trying to go to the grocery store or you're trying to go to the park you have to calculate your race all the time 24 7 they have to carry that burden because the default race is white Mm. so if you're not default 
you have to go, well, how do I, how do I go to like, talk to a black friend or a brown friend that you have and say, how often are you at a store and someone assumes you, you work there that you get asked, Hey, can you go um, clean up on aisle four? Cause someone dropped something. I don't work here. I'm just a brown person shopping. <laughs> Right, yeah. but people assume, like, if you saw a, a brown person in their garden out front, do you think they own the house? Or do you think they're working in the garden? What's your initial reaction? If you're honest with yourself, you think oh, that person's uh, got hired to clearly this brown person doesn't own this nice house. That's the gardener. That's the pool boy. You see the black guy skimming the pool must be working for the white guy that owns the house. That's what that's because that's our default settings. That's the white advantage. And so maybe take the word privilege out of there and put advantage in there. But that's the system where and we're sometimes that in. person is working in the yard or sometimes that person does work in the store. And so it, it all plays into that. And his point, the one point that he did make that I thought was a good point is income inequality is, is surely an issue that that is an issue. Totally. So, yeah. Anyway, well, I think we learned a lot from a cop today. We learned a lot from uh, one of our Facebook friends. And we learned a lot from Cousin Jimmy. So, anyway, uh, you can reach out to Ron. Ron at Windermere.com. I'm Don O'Neill at Windermere.com. Everything is at ronanddonsitdown.com. If you missed some last episodes or you want to share it, and we'd love it if you share this episode with someone that you love and care about, would you do that? Uh, you can go to ronanddonradio.com and all the episodes are there. And if you want to hear about me dating a woman with a mustache, that's episode 140. You keep your head up. You keep your shoulders back. We'll see you next time for episode 158 only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, it's G-Force O'Neill, brains of this operation, and the voice of the Ron and Don show. Well, that's it. Show's over. We'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Oh,